0: Welcome to Cincy Reform. This is Pastor Brandon, and today I wanted to spend some time focusing on the text of Judges 210. Uh, Judges 210 Uh, Says After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. And it's a shocking text because, I mean, as you're thinking about where Judges is, where Judges is located within the kind of unfolding of redemptive history, and you think of all that God had done, all the miracles that God had worked, all the blessings God had given, Um, All the revelation God had given, and so much has happened. And here we are in Judges, and there was the parting of the Red Sea. There was uh, the wilderness period. There was Sinai. There was so much that had happened. And here we are in Judges 2.10, and it said a whole generation came about, and the generation didn't know God. Who's God? What did he do? They have no idea. How did the knowledge of God get lost in one generation? What happened? How does that happen? But even as I'm looking around in the world that we live in today, that text is a great warning for us, I think, because we are seeing a generation. And and as as all of these statistics, year after year, of how many are in the church, how many are out of the church, we're, we're seeing uh, a whole generation come about that really does not know God. The other day I ran into a grandmother and her grandchild. And she was, uh, she was a churchgoer herself. She was in her elderly years. But she was reflecting on her, on her five-year-old grandson and just kind of lamenting. The fact that he really has no clue about about sin about christ he he was just totally clueless because her her daughter and her son-in-law uh had had abandoned church altogether and are are not teaching that to to their child and so you can see how just within that generation even within one generation all of this can be lost and instead of talking to people who know generally about sin and Christ and redemption and salvation and who have basic Bible knowledge, who know the basic Bible stories, um, this younger generation is, is clueless. You, you can't even presuppose basic knowledge of creation and fall and redemption and consummation. They don't have the basics. we got to start all over now years ago i was studying when uh the catechumenate uh the kind of the ancient church program for teaching uh kind of came about and they said the catechumenate uh this kind of schoolhouse for teaching about christ came about in the ancient world because as the apostles were moving beyond jerusalem going into more pagan lands the worldview gap was was so big that there had to be some sort of training to get people from paganism to the Christian worldview to understand what Christianity is. And so, uh, when you study uh, the, the the ancient church practices and how they brought people in and and uh, uh, how they educated people, it's just interesting, you know, as they because when they were in Jerusalem, uh, at least people understood the Old Testament. People understood the basics. They could talk about sin, and they could talk about Adam and Eve and the fall. They could talk about uh, the temple and the coming Messiah. And it was it was a basic understanding that they could presuppose and kind of uh, uh, work with. And then as they went into Greek culture and pagan culture that really had no concepts for these things, they had to uh, create a catechumenate in order to Instruct people who were interested in, in joining the church, so that they could spend time in the catechumenate, spend time uh, developing a Christian worldview, uh, learning about Christ, learning about these things, and uh, they could spend some time in this schoolhouse before they joined the church. And uh, it became necessary at that point. And it's just kind of interesting now to reflect on our culture, and we're in a we're in a, an, an era where. The younger generation we just cannot presuppose a lot of the basic knowledge that maybe we could back in the 1950s and even 1980s over the past few weeks i have been reading george marsden's book the soul of the american university and he's talking about how the universities in america yale harvard uh, princeton all of these were um, came about and they were very religious they were very christian and he talked about the kind of the slow steady decline of that and and it was interesting to see just how uh Various things happened that seemed perhaps minor at the time, but over time it was just kind of this downward spiral to from Christianity to in some of these places nowadays anti christianity i mean how did we get how did how did we get from uh, teaching puritanism or or uh, catechizing and uh, being very conservative being Calvinistic even and now being anti Christian, where uh, Christianity is considered hate speech. I mean, what, what happened uh, over the, the course of time? And Marsden kind of lays out um, a trajectory in terms of kind of the, some of the, the, the early debates that were happening. And some of the early debates were well, you know, can we bring on textbooks that are anti Christian, uh, even as we are a Christian university? Uh, can we teach ethics and morals apart from Jesus uh, and it was there was this there was this debate of this um, of this kind of new ethics that was going to be taught from a scientific standpoint and some of the proponents of this kind of new scientific ethic were saying well for for, for generations the the school used Aristotle's ethics as, as a book to teach ethics. And so we can use this kind of new scientific ethic to teach ethics. We don't need uh, to interact with the Bible. They were they were saying even as they were saying but you know they they were all saying but I believe the Bible and I believe in in Jesus and we're we're a Christian University but at the same time we don't need to do these things. And uh, Marsden was talking about the difference between Aristotle and this new scientific ethic that Yale and Harvard and some of these these other places were wanting to use. Marsden said, in Aristotle, virtue was conceived as an acquired skill developed by practice. Hence, one could benefit from the wisdom of Aristotle in the principles of acquiring the habits of virtue. But the door was wide open to adding Christian content in defining the content of the virtues. Aristotle's ethics could be presented with Christian commentary that would correct the misconceptions, for instance, concerning, concerning the human soul or immortality. The new moral philosophy, on the other hand, could be conceived of as a closed rational system which eventually would make special revelation superfluous, at least for ethics. So he was making the argument that for Aristotle... Ethics was this kind of practice this walk that is developed, and you could and it wasn't neutral you could fill that uh, with Christian content and and you could actually make it uh, very Christian um, and fill it with special revelation and talk about Christ and the Bible and and these things, but this new ethic was a closed rationalistic system he said. Uh, that kind of came into these to these uh, schools, and then the schools were saying, "Well, can we hire maybe one person on staff who doesn't really believe the traditional Christian claims?" And could and it, and it was like this this uh, snowball going downhill. Of uh, the door being pushed open and uh, maybe we don't need clergy on the board anymore of the school and now I'm not arguing that all all of these uh, universities have to be Christian in our in our society but it is interesting to see how in one generation uh, there can be a watering down where here now a few generations out, they went from Christian to, again, in some of these places, anti-Christian, where Christianity is now hate speech. Um, and it's interesting to kind of reflect on, on that spiral and how some of the watering down has, um, has affected the university's um, trajectory long term. And I was reminded, again, just kind of going back to the basics of, of education and what the Bible speaks about in terms of, you know, educating our our children. And, you know, there's a, the Hebrew word musar uh, that kind of corresponds to the Greek word uh, paideia. And there's a musar or a paideia of the Lord. There's a pedagogy of the Lord where we are to discipline and instruct our children in the pedia, in the instruction of of Christ. And that, that's a, a command given to, to parents in Ephesians, for example, chapter 6. And it's a program we see in the Proverbs, speaking about educating within the Musar of Yahweh. And um, Deuteronomy 6, very much a text that is saying we should take every opportunity to teach Uh, And instruct in the revelation, in the word of God, surrounding our children in the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. And I was reminded of you know, one of my favorite books on education is uh, by Cornelius Van Til, and it's called Essays on Christian Education. And, and in that book, he gives a, a, a helpful definition, I think, of education where he says education is implication into God's interpretation to think God's thoughts after him, to dedicate the universe to its maker, and to be vice regents of the ruler of all things. This is man's task. Man is prophet, priest, and king. And to kind of explain what Van Til means there, he's saying God has created every fact of the universe. God has uh, given meaning he's interpreted he's given meaning to everything that he created and so we as students as pupils we need to reinterpret God's original interpretation we need to find out the meaning God gave every fact of the universe and as a prophet declare hey this fact means this as created by God and um, and and we need to uh, again. He talks about dedicating the universe to its maker. You know, showing how everything uh, was created by God, given meaning by God, has a purpose by God. And they're not just these brute facts existing out there that the human mind is going to somehow give meaning to and incorporate with other facts. But no, we're we're humbly thinking God's thoughts after Him. We're we're humbly being receptive, um, and. Uh, and, and standing on the foundation of the Bible to do so. And so that's, that, that's just a different posture when we think about, about education. Um, we're not, so to speak, in the driver's seat of just um, uh, creating meaning out there. But God has already given meaning, and we need to find God's meaning and interpret it according to God's way. And show our children how to do that, How you know that they are living in God's world, breathing God's air, created in God's image, being upheld by God at every moment. And every fact of the cosmos is evidence to God. Every fact of the cosmos uh, uh, reflects the glory of Christ. And we should see the entire universe as, as Christ's universe, as something that's being upheld by His hand even as we speak. And so the church throughout history has been uh, pretty eager to, to catechize. And, you know, again, that, that was one of the, the kind of the, down, the, the downward spirals in some of these universities in America where they did kind of the quote-unquote normal stuff during the week, math and reading and science and these things uh, and your coursework or whatever during the week. And then they kind of relegated Bible stuff to the weekend. Saturday Sunday that was kind of the the time to get some moral instruction some theological instruction and there was this kind of gross segregation there um, but no I mean uh, throughout uh, throughout the Bible and and especially in in, in the early days of, of Christianity theology was the queen of the sciences it theology was not only the 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 subject that that was integrated into every subject, theology was not only the unifying subject that unified everything, but it itself was the queen of the subjects, and so uh, relegating it to a Sunday sermon... Um, it's going to it's going to water things down. You're not going to to develop a, as much, or you're going to have a kind of a bifurcated view of the world, where Sunday is when I do my theology stuff, and then the rest of the world, or the rest of the the week rather, is when I do the regular stuff, the normal stuff, so to speak. Um, but no, I mean, catechesis is I think an important part of. Of raising up the next generation, and uh, there's a great little book by Donald Van Dyken called "Rediscovering Catechism: The Art of Equipping Covenant Children," and it's just a fantastic little book about um, why we ought to be why we ought to be catechizing our our children, our families, um, not just on Sundays, but have it have it being part of our regular. Uh, week like every week every every day at some point trying to catechize our children uh, and if we homeschool integrating catechesis, integrating theology into just kind of the normal coursework Monday through fr- through Friday um, to where it's seen. this is the queen of the sciences and it also integrates and explains every other academic discipline. But here's what uh, Van Dyken says about catechesis. He says, Faithful instruction of the next generation is the normal mechanism God employs for the advance and growth of his people. And he goes on to quote John Calvin. Uh, Calvin, he uh, wrote a catechism for the church in Geneva, and Calvin said, what we now bring forward, therefore, is nothing else than the use of things which from ancient times were observed by Christians and the true worshipers of God, and which were never laid aside until the church was wholly corrupted. A sign of a wholly corrupted church is a church that doesn't catechize, is what Calvin is saying. Uh, He also quotes Lancelot Andrews. Uh, Lancelot Andrews was um, head of the first company of translators of the Old Testament for the King James Bible. And uh, Lancelot Andrews said, "When When catechizing was left out of the church, it soon became darkened and overspread with ignorance. So, uh, j- just throughout the history of the church uh, catechizing was seen as, as creating a healthy church, passing down the good doctrines of the Bible and without catechizing we kind of leave a generation open to, to ignorance. We've had a few episodes on catechizing in the past I can link them in the show notes page uh, where we talk about you know, how to do it and, and, and again it can be difficult, I mean it's rote memorization now there's ways to make rote memorization fun, but rote memorization is important. So when you ask your, your child, you know, what does it mean to be righteous in God? Or, or what is justification? Um, what is sanctification? What is your only comfort in life and in death? What does the fourth commandment teach? I mean, these are important questions, and uh, it's important that our children, the next generation, has ready answers to to respond to and as they go out into the world and they're challenged they'll have a grid by which they can interpret they can filter things they'll have a a biblical worldview where they can where they can sift through some of the secular messages that they will get so that they can reinterpret things according to God's truth. And so uh, catechization, I think, is just a a helpful uh, tool that the church has, that the church has deployed. Uh, There's been catechisms written for nearly every Every denomination. I, I found uh, dozens of Baptist catechisms. There's even a Pentecostal catechism. Uh, J.I. Packer recently came out with an Anglican catechism. Uh, and of course, the Reformed and the Presbyterians have their um, catechisms as well the Westminster Shorter Catechism for the Presbyterians and the Heidelberg Catechism for the Dutch Reformed. And it's, of course, you know, it, it, you, you want to present uh, a platter of fish so to speak you you want to uh have have your children memorize the data of scripture and god's truth and so like we uh, for our our home we uh survey bible facts and so they can tell me about uh facts about abraham or moses they can tell me about you know who took over um, aaron's spot when he, after he passed away so there's there's bible data That they can tell me we're also memorizing scripture and so they have many many bible verses memorized that they can tell me and we're also memorizing the catechism which is kind of giving more of a forest view memorizing god's truth and they can memorize that and 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 respond and uh, recite those as well and so um it's good to have have that data but of course as As educators, we want the next generation of Christians not only to have all of this data stored in their brain, but we want them to think theologically. We want them not only to just be able to regurgitate a Bible verse or a catechism, but also to navigate the world by thinking theologically and interacting with the data that they know and deploying it to respond to problems and questions in the in the present day as they're interacting with those of other viewpoints. And of course that is uh, kind of the, the the next task not only giving them a platter of fish a platter of data but also giving them a fishing pole and showing them how to get their own fish showing them how to use the tools the theological tools necessary to to get to get more fish and to think about um that and to yeah navigate the world and so you know as we're thinking about educating the next generation I think that too, for too long, many in the church have been kind of on autopilot, uh, going to church on Sunday, and, and that was kind of the extent of it, maybe reading some Bible here and there, uh, maybe reading a good, a good uh, Christian kid's book, or watching a Christian movie, or, and it was very minimum, but I think that we need to uh, kind of step back, reassess. As parents as educators as the church in general and even if you don't have any children you can still be part of this as a member of the church thinking about how do we instruct and care for the covenant children in our church Uh, this is I think an important thing that we we should step back and we should reassess are we are we teaching our children are we catechizing are we instilling are we teaching them not only good Bible facts and and uh, scripture verses and catechism Q&As, but are we also giving them a fishing pole and teaching them, this is how you get it yourself, this is how you think theologically, this is how you cook the fish, this is how you clean the fish, this is how you serve it to other people. Uh, are, we, are we teaching them that so that we, they can stand ready? And I think part of that, too, is teaching them ap- apologetics, how to defend the faith. Um, I think that that is... Um, I think that that is uh, going to be very crucial in the coming generations that the children know not only uh, good theology and good Old Testament and New Testament, but that they also know how to defend their faith because it's going to be challenged in ways that the last generation were not challenged and were. We're going, yeah. We're, we're we're I think we're heading towards interesting waters in a post secular, post Christian society. Uh, some people say meta modern, or whatever whatever we're heading into. But I think that we're heading into interesting waters. And as I'm reflecting on Judges two ten we don't want the next generation to grow up and say who's God what what in the world did he do and have just no clue about these things because that's happened in the past that happened with Israel even as that's hard to believe it's unthinkable that that could even happen but it did and our our generation uh, upcoming is not immune to some of those threats of losing the knowledge and not being able to navigate God's truth and so You know, here I wanted just to encourage you. uh, If you're a parent, if you're an educator, if you're just a member of the church and you're concerned about covenant children, um, I just want to encourage you to to be diligent to think about these things and to have great conversations with uh, your pastors and elders, with parents, and uh, just kind of thinking about how are we equipping our children. In the show notes page, I will also link to some of my favorite books on apologetics, Defending Christianity, and uh, perhaps—and these are books that are appropriate for children, uh, probably upper middle school into high school, and so I'll you know, I'll link them and— um, um, perhaps you can you can use them. I'm actually planning to have my my children in, in homeschool read through every single one of the ones that I'm going to link in the show notes page because I think it's important that they have the tools that when they go off into the world they will be able to defend their faith. So I hope that was helpful today, uh, and, and by way of a, a great reminder that Scripture uh, constantly exhorts us to be mindful of the next generation. Uh, God loves the. Little children. God loves the covenant children, and God wants us to give them uh, the care and instruction and wisdom and just uh, really pour into the next generation. So let's take up that mantle, let's take up that charge, and let's be mindful about the next generation so that we don't have another Judges 210 type of scenario.